Welcome to The Partnership, the straight-up business podcast where co-founders chat co-founders with co-founders. I'm Jennifer Bettmeyer. And I'm Melissa Duran-Connor. We know... What are you doing? Go ahead. (laughs) We know a thing or two about being business partners. We launched media relations agency, Jennifer Beck Communications, AKA JBC, together in 2014. So each episode, we invite co-founders to share their stories about building something new from the ground up. Today, we're so excited to welcome Chief co-founders, Lindsay Kaplan and Carolyn Childers. In 2019, they launched Chief, an exclusive network of female executives to support women on their way up or already in the C-suite. Lindsay and Carolyn founded Chief with the mission to drive women forward into positions of power and to keep them there. In just one year since launch, Chief grew to 2,000 members at companies like American Express, Cartier, and Google, and now boasts a 7,000-person wait list. And last July, Lindsay and Carolyn closed a $22 million Series A funding round in one of 2019's largest rounds raised by a women-led company. Before co-founding Chief, Lindsay spent four years as the VP of Communications at Casper, where she was also one of the Mattress Startup's very first hires. And Carolyn joined Chief from digital home services marketplace Handy, which I think I emailed at one point to do their PR, um, (laughs) where she held a four-year tenure as SVP of operations. So before we get started, was anything that we just said incorrect? Nope, that all sounded oh, correct. Fantastic, because there was a lot of information in there and I wanted to make sure we got everything right. But thank you for joining us. We are so excited to have you guys. It's funny because when we first started putting together a list of dream guests, I was in this um, Slack group with like VCs and startups and I said, what partners would you guys love to hear from? And you guys actually were like one of the top five brands that kept coming up. Um, and they were like, we'd love to hear more about the chief co-founders. They seem to have such a great dynamic. Yeah. So um, yeah, you were on our dream guest list. And one of my close friends, a, a company friend, Taryn, does your PR. It was kind enough to put us in touch. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Thanks for having us. You guys are two very impressive ladies. Um, so I guess what I want to know, and I guess I don't, I don't know, is how did you guys get connected and decide to start this amazing network together. So Lindsay and I actually, we met at a really awful women's networking event. It was was everything people hate about networking events and so much more. And we, you know, got to know each other briefly, but we kind of bonded over the fact that it just wasn't a great event. One person was monopolizing the whole conversation and we barely got to meet other people. And, you know, as we were leaving, uh, did a combined eye roll at the coat check on the way out and kept in touch from then. And as I started to think about the concept of chief, uh, really knew that I wanted to bring on a co-founder that could help disrupt the idea of a women's professional network in a really interesting way, because unfortunately, the idea of a women's professional network, often you think about name tags and warm white wine and the bad mm-hmm. uh, networking events that we had met at. And Lindsay is just such a amazing marketer and think about the work that she was doing at Casper. And if you can make a mattress sexy, I think she can do it with a, uh, with a women's professional network. So I reached out to her as I started to think about the concept and we fell in love and was it instant did you have like an, an immediate connection or did it take time to warm up to each other that's an interesting i think it was like i 
I think we had an in, in love when we started to drink together. The first one was coffee. So like, yeah, <laughs> that always happens. I fall in love with a lot of people over drinks. Yeah. Carolyn and I can talk until four in the morning. We often have our best, make our best business decisions after uh, midnight. And I think when we first met, it just, we had this great conversation about startups and about her idea around women's networking that I think we were both really intrigued and the dialogue that we had was really compelling. So we fell in love drinking a few weeks later, but um, there was definitely an initial spark just based off the fact that we could really just trade ideas. And, and I think she and I both are very no bullshit people. Um, and it was pretty obvious as we started talking that we both had a similar sensibility. Yeah, I think the hard part is, like, it's really hard to fully make sure that the fundamentals are really aligned, that you guys have the same values before going into business with them. And as much as you know and want to figure that out, it's hard until you're actually, like, in the throes of it, of, you know, do we actually value the same thing? And will we operate in the same right way together? So that was something that we, you know, you kind of, jump it in the deep end and hope that that stuff works out. And I think at the end of the day, I could not be more honored to be a co-partner with Lindsay. And, you know, I think we both have very, very similar values and that's what makes the partnership work. It took us, I value you too. <laughs> I think you don't have to say, <laughs> but you don't, you don't like, you know, day one, you're not like, Hey, tell me about your value system. At first, Carolyn and I did feel more like opposites attract Carolyn is HBS. Uh, she's an operator. She is a beast of a CEO. She is the greatest CEO that I have ever had the privilege of working with and for. And I definitely am more of like a qualitative thinker. I like to think out loud. I'm a storyteller. I'm a marketer. I'm a creative. I don't have a traditional, uh, I'm using air quotes, like I don't have a business degree. Um, <laughs> And so we, when we started, it, it felt like, okay, well, your brain covers this, my brain covers that. And the longer we started working with each other, and I think this was over a solid year that we really came to deeply understand that as different as we are on the surface of our skills, we actually have so much deeply in common that so often now in meetings, we just are so aligned and in such agreement that it feels like the relationship is so much stronger than it would have been based off of feeling like we had surface level similarities. Yeah. So it sounds like you guys have an ideal relationship. And I think that shows in the work that you do. And Melissa and I like to think we have an ideal relationship. We certainly don't. Um, and there are times where we want to kill each other. But overall, we have a lot in common with you in that we always say that our partnership is built on a similar shared set of values at the end of the day that actually has nothing to do with business and really relates back to how we mm -hmm. feel about living our lives and our families and health and the world. But when you guys start first started working together and you really didn't know each other that well, from what I'm hearing, it seems like you knew each other, you were fans of each other, but you didn't really know how each other operated. You didn't ever work with each other before. Were there any bumps in the beginning or was it kind of like you just, it fell into place and was like a well-oiled machine pretty quickly? Oh, there were definitely, there were definitely bumps, I think. And I think when you first, when you have very different ways of thinking through problems, I like to compartmentalize and be really structured in things. And she likes to think out loud. That was hard for us at the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
I remember like this one meeting that we had where it was probably two or three months into really working directly together. We were like, what, if I could do one thing for you, like, what would it be? And it, and it was this really interesting moment that like kind of defines how we're so different, but like appreciate each other. I was like, I would really love if at the end of a meeting you were, you were to summarize it and like, these are the three things we're going to do next. And like, that was my thing. And her thing was, I just want to know you're my friend. <laughs> I don't know, like, the exact like epitome of who we both are as, as yeah. people. Um, and I think we're both very successful at both of those now for each other. <laughs> do you guys, I mean, Melissa, sorry, I'm asking all the questions. It's um, okay. But do you, I mean, it also seems like something we have in common is it seems like you guys are actually legitimate friends as opposed to a lot of co-founders we talk to, which I'm not saying one is better than the other, but they have pretty strong boundaries when it comes to their personal life and their professional lives. And they respect those boundaries. Um, Melissa and I have no boundaries. We've been very no. clear about that. How do you guys go about, have you tried to put in place boundaries? Do you guys just text each other all day long? Are you involved in each other's personal lives? How does that work for you? I think we actually have a pretty great boundary. I have a really different life than Carolyn. I am a mom of a four-month-old and a four-year-old, and we don't live in the same neighborhood. I don't know if it's fully intentional, but we have this like great work relationship. We'll text at night, and we are certainly personal friends, but I don't think it is overreaching to a mm -hmm. place where it feels like we are up in each, other, in each other's shit. Like there's still mm -hmm. stuff that we don't know about each other that we get to learn and kind of explore um, that I don't think either of us feel like we are in a rush to do so. And mm -hmm. it feels like we are in this for the long haul. And I think we have a great relationship that still respects that we have really different lifestyles. That's so refreshing. <laughs> I'll say this. So um, we like, as an example, I think we would go out for a drink every so often, but you know, we just, we work really hard. We're together all day. I got to go home to the kids that after we closed that round of funding, I was newly pregnant and mm -hmm. we never went out for that celebratory drink. And so I think we went a solid, I don't know, year without drinking together, which I think founders who are friends like to, you know, kick back a cocktail and talk about work. And so right before the pandemic hit, one night Carolyn was up and it was, I think it was midnight and I had the new baby at home. I was still on mat leave. And we were, we were chatting and I was like, this would be so much better in person. And she jokingly was like, okay, come over buddy. And 20 minutes later, for the first time I was in her apartment and I think we drank until five in the morning. And I'm so, oh I'm so happy we had that time because it was like the most important co-founder bonding for us because we're not going to be together in so long. Right. And I'm sorry, but Zoom happy hours just do not cut it. But I that, fully agree. That was just a really fun example of how I hadn't been to Carolyn's apartment. She still has never seen my New York apartment because we spent so much time together during the day that those special times feel better and it doesn't feel like lines are being crossed, even though it was a bit invasive of me to show up. Lindsay literally sent me a screenshot of her Uber ride showing up in 20 minutes because it's like, you're lying. You're, you're definitely not on your way over to my apartment right now. It was a booty call. It was, it was like, a booty like, call. I love it. A co-founder booty call. Should yeah, I'm trying to think. I think Melissa secretly wishes 
she had a co-founder she could drink with more. I don't drink I a lot. I was just so. going to say, like, Jen's not a, a big drinker, and it would be really nice to be able to leave work and just go to sit at a happy hour for a couple of hours with her. Well, I remember but when we first started the alone. business, when we first started the business, so we'd go and have lunch, because we didn't have, like, a an office space. We were just operating on our couches. But we'd go to pitch meetings together and, like, meet in the city, and we'd, like, one o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, and she'd be like, so what, what wine are we drinking? And I, I thought it was like scandalous. I was like, what? But I think honestly, sharing a glass yeah. of wine takes the edge off a little bit, especially when you're going in and out of pitch yeah. meetings and trying to build a business and a livelihood. Yeah. Um, so I highly encourage it as long as it's done within reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. But my question, I guess what I'm curious now, given how you, your relationship seems so authentic and natural and you really have figured out what your dynamic is, how has the pandemic changed or not changed your rhythm? It, or is it really just business as usual and just happens to be just never in person? I think what's interesting, so the timing of everything, Lindsay was actually on maternity leave at the very beginning of this year. Um, and was just about to come back from it when this all hit. So she's in the like prolonged, <laughs> I now maternity leave, that it was actually maternity leave more than the quarantine that meant that we had to figure out what does our relationship look like when we're not together and it was something that was you know important to me to like give her the time and the space with her family but also keep her involved and we have created these like weird <laughs> moments of coming together this is like kind of embarrassing but like we are both the MTV it's challenge. not embarrassing at all, Carolyn. <laughs> we both really awesome. like bad reality TV. So like when The Bachelor is on or like the MTV challenge is on, that's actually our weird bonding time where we'll like text about that. We'll text about work. It's like this known time for us to come together that had already been implemented for us because of the, um, because of maternity leave. So it's felt really natural going into this for us. Um, but uh, I'm very much looking forward to being able to come back together uh, at the other side of all of this. I, I also want to add that I certainly didn't come back from that leave and pick myself up at full capacity. I'm not at full capacity. It would be impossible right now. I'm at, at most 70% capacity and I am, you know, Carolyn is continuing to hold the chief torch and to help me and pick up the pieces that I just can't carry. And so I'm absolutely indebted to her that she did that through the end of my pregnancy, during maternity leave, and through this continued disaster that is my household. And she is just humble and modest and brilliant and amazing. She's just like an absolute incredible partner to have. Yeah. yeah so I didn't know this, but in, 20, in 2021, I'm going to go on a boondoggle and be like, remember that? <laughs> Here you go. I was just gonna say she's gonna take a six month sabbatical <laughs> next year. <laughs> it's amazing yeah, I mean, to hear you talk it, about that, though. I will say, like, you know, in in at JBC, we are, you know, we're a small team. We're only about thirty people or so, um, but we have quite a few moms. I, I think seven or so. Yeah, um, and one about to be a mom on the senior team. So. It's been a real struggle. It's something that we talk about. We actually have separate meetings about on the executive side about how do we support moms right now because it is, it's not sustainable. It's impossible. 
it's so hard to do calls. We do our Zoom calls with our team. And I would say there's like five kids in the call now. You know, there's one of our um, VPs is breastfeeding on the calls. It's an enormous amount. And I think it says something about the other people that are willing to kind of step up and support mm-hmm. um, all of those women. And I, I mean, we've seen it firsthand at JBC too, um, how unbelievably supportive the entire team is of just like picking up little places that can support the working moms when they have to put their kid down for a nap or make lunch. And these are necessities right now. So it's, yeah, it's amazing I mean, to hear it, that you and guys And it always have that. comes from the top. And I'm sure you guys would agree because the first week we were in it, I was, I, I think I probably texted Jen or slacked her or something. I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to work full time. And she has a stepson too. And it's just, she's immediately sent out a note to everyone saying, we have to be sensitive to the women who have families and we have to just dig in and help each other out as much as we can. And then also it, it then makes the people who are parents want to work even harder too, because you want to be putting in the time knowing that so many other people are trying to help you and lift you up too. So it comes from every direction, which I think is really one of those interesting silver linings of this, this kind of moment is seeing how everyone is just lifting each other up and supporting each other from above, below, you know, adjacent. And it's been really nice to see that kind of community. Yeah. We have have, um, a lot of parents on our team as well, moms and dads. And um, I think it is helpful to see that the two co-founders are in a dynamic where one of them is like raising my hand, absolutely struggling. I would be crazy to tell you I wasn't struggling. It would be absolutely impossible not to be struggling right now. And so to see Carolyn step up and to be supportive and to not just say the words, but live the behavior of somebody that is supportive and has a company that has a culture of support is really powerful for the entire Mm -hmm. team. It doesn't, that that comes back to the similar value system. You know, I don't think Carolyn's Mm -hmm. doing this necessarily because she, she just wants the company to succeed. I mean, (laughs) it seems like just from talking to you guys a little bit that you, you both really just value family. Yeah, I definitely think it it does come back to that. And I don't know, I think uh, I just have such deep respect for Lindsay that like Lindsay at 20% capacity is so valuable to me. (laughs) <laughs> let alone 50, 70, whatever it is. It just means that I I need to be really smart about like what those things are that I need the help on and where her mind is best used and to really focus all of that. So again, because your dynamic and relationship is so solid and I mean, it's really amazing to see two females working so well together. Um, what would be some of your biggest pieces of advice around the best way to, whether it's setting boundaries or setting the right, you know, kind of dynamic between two people or responsibilities, like what, what advice would you give other young entrepreneurs who are either looking for a co-founder or have one and they're still trying to navigate their relationship? I have an interesting piece, which is Carolyn and I didn't work together. And so we didn't have the collective knowledge of knowing how one another works, knowing uh, similar war stories. And yet the, we are bringing now, she has all of her experience and I have all of mine that I think it's been really helpful because between us, we've worked at a handful of startups that have done things differently. And it's given Mm -hmm. us a lot of opportunities to look back at what were good decisions, what were bad decisions, what were methodologies that we thought we should follow and what we reject. And so I think 
not having previously worked together on the surface maybe sounded a little strange, but it, it's worked very well because of all of that experience. I would say, you know, we, we mentioned it earlier that it wasn't perfect day one. And it's definitely not perfect day whatever day it is right now. <laughs> like there's always things that we could do to be stronger partners for each other and, and learn more about each other. But I would say like in the early days, even if you did work together, you don't know what it's going to be like to work together as, as partners and co-founders. It's a completely different dynamic when you are the one that's like, this is your, this is your baby. This is the thing that you are creating and you are the ultimate decision makers. And I think the advice that I would give to anybody is knowing that it's not going to be perfect to really make sure that you invest the time to talk about it and to be honest about it. And when you have these moments where things didn't go well, or you were upset about the way that like this thing happened, it was one of those moments that I think speared that conversation of, well, what is the one, one ask you would make of me um, mm -hmm. conversation? And I think that those types of conversations are what made Lindsay and I get to know each other beyond just the like behaviors, but more of the why you feel that way. And it was actually mm -hmm. really important for us to know those things about each other, to have the ability to like see below the fact that like Lindsay might be having a bad day for something completely unrelated to me and not take that into our partnership or vice versa. So yeah, I would say one more thing that Carolyn said to me once we were early on, I think we were just butting heads a bit. And she said, I need you to know that I'm coming from a place of best intentions. And I always want you to know that. And I carry that with me every day. I carry with me that Carolyn, as well as everybody on our team, nobody's there to be destructive. Nobody is there to hurt feelings. Everybody, including with Carolyn and I, we, we often, especially now, we may be a little bit more emotional. We may be a little bit more stressed out, but everybody has the best of intentions. And I think that's a really powerful statement to make for a partnership. So if Carolyn does something that I just completely disagree with. I always want to get in the mindset of like, what is Carolyn's intention? And I know it's a good intention. And therefore, if I'm going to knee jerk react, I need to do it in a way that's really thoughtful and take a step back and think through what was motivating her to um, mm -hmm. make this choice. I think that's a really, really good piece of advice. It's also a really good piece of advice for like for marriages you know, um, to remember that typically you would hope that the intention of your partner or your spouse is always one that's coming from a good place, whether you disagree with what they're saying or not. So, and we always, I have, I have a secret cheat with Carolyn, which is my husband, I have realized is very similar to Carolyn. So sometimes <laughs> I'll, I'll say something and he's like, well, obviously she's thinking that and you do this. And it was a complete fuck up. And I'm like, oh man. So it is so much like a marriage. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, I think a lot of our relationship, I take back with my husband. So I want to talk a little bit more about Chief itself, like specifically, because it's such, a, I, I love the vision and all of that. I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your vision for Chief, especially now going into, you know, 20, you know, mid 2020 and beyond. Like, how are you guys? looking at the future and what do you want it to be one day from now until then? Yeah. I mean, Chief was really built 
under the mission of driving more women into positions of leadership and keeping them there. And it was born from a really personal place of you get more and more senior in your career and you spend all of your time managing your teams and mentoring other people. And there's like this void of resources and community at a more senior level, which is a very ironic thing to occur when the level of responsibility you have is so much greater. Work in life is so much messier. And there's been so many people who have, have tried to go and tackle the you know, lack of women representation in senior leadership. And for us, we looked at it and said, there's 5 million women who are VP level and above across the United States. And if we could just get more of them into these positions of leadership and uh, support them when they get there, the ripple effect that that could have of just having more people in positions of influence is bigger than any other way of going and tackling this problem. And that's why we wanted to focus Chief on building this amazing community of powerful women, VP level and above, and really provide them the support, the resources, and the inspiration in some ways to go and really enact this broader change. And so our vision has always been one where we really want to see women in those seats. And as we think about this moment right now, even, Chief was really, was honestly built for this moment. Like mm -hmm. when is there more of a need for a community and resources than right now where we're all navigating between home life where you're like completely taking over all childcare and trying to navigate your businesses in a time where everything is completely upside down and even potentially dealing with illness. Like this is a, an unprecedented time and it's been so amazing to see the chief community come together right now. Uh, it's more powerful now than it's ever been and more of an indication for us that like our mission is needed. How are there specific examples that you can share of how you've seen the community come together that really made you go, wow, or like, this is why we started this. Um, this is always the question that I love and hate the most. Cause I'm like, Oh <laughs> my God, which one do I choose? And there's so many that honestly yeah. we don't even know about. Um, I actually, this is the most random one to share, but I actually got on uh, my Peloton the other day and there's a chief community on Peloton. And I was like, what, how do awesome. I not know about this? That's <laughs> um, awesome though. <laughs> I know. I know. It was like this, like completely unaware that all of these things are, are happening across the chief community. But I think it's, there's countless stories of people who have met their co-founders through Chief, people who have, have hired amazing people into their teams, people who have found funding, the people who have just met their best friend. <laughs> and I think it's all of these things that add up to a much more powerful movement uh, that Chief has been able to create. I'll call out a, a specific example also. One of our amazing members, Sarah Rodell, CEO of Loop & Tie, started COVID Tech Connect. It is a campaign to get tablets to hospitals so that sick people can speak with their loved ones. And within a few weeks of her starting this, she had three people from Chief join her team. And we together, the Chief community has raised to date over $10,000 for this cause, which Chief is actually matching. So- Can you say the name of that company again? Sure, it's COVID Tech Connect. Cool. And we are so proud to see that 
our members can come together, create something amazing, and then we can rally the entire community around to um, her cause so that we can all contribute together. I mean, I have to tell you, I, if I wish this were around when I was thinking of launching JBC, or at the time, thinking of launching something disruptive in PR and media relations, because I remember just going onto LinkedIn and just searching and searching like, female founder and female founder media and CMO and CMO fashion and just sending out, frankly, blind emails to other women that were, you know, in powerful positions or C-suites in the marketing or communications world and, and coming up empty um, and feeling super, super alone and really having to circle back to my own personal network to even find Melissa and remember Melissa and start recruiting and most of our first hires that are now like our senior vice presidents and our vice presidents you know we found through linkedin after you know a lot of crash and burn experiences mm -hmm. and i keep thinking if if this was around when we started it would have been kind of a, a, a more you know healthy and positive experience i think to feel a little bit more supported because i remember feeling super, super alone through that process. But I think you guys are really like leading the charge there. I think what's also special about Chief is that it is industry agnostic purposefully. And so when you have women from entertainment, from finance, from uh, startups, from giant, you know, fortune 50 companies all together, you really have this powerful network that is so much bigger than the people in your close circle that often are the women who maybe are competitive for work or maybe who know the same people. But to truly have that cognitive diversity is so helpful and it's so impactful mm -hmm. to really make change happen faster. So I think that's what makes Chief different, both the level of women that are joining as well as the breadth of industry role and function that we really look for to have such a um, diverse population of amazing, incredible uh, leaders. A hundred percent. I'm also curious your thought on when you guys were thinking, when you were launching Chief, there must have been a conversation around, or how did you think through the structure of Chief in the sense I would assume frustratingly you get always lumped into the co-working world, which you're, you're not a physical space. You are a network of people. I say this in the most positive way, secret society almost, right? So how did you determine that it wasn't, you didn't need a physical space to make this happen. It was really about we, it's more about the community and the people that you're bringing together. Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? We, we actually really debated a lot at the beginning of Chief whether we would have a space or not, because the real value of Chief is not, the clubhouse is a medium through which Chief can come together, but it could come together in many other mediums. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily need the space to be that. And we say that all the time. We're a community that happens to have a space, not a space that then tries to build a community within it. And that has been so apparent now when space is not involved. But it was important to us at, at the beginning in particular to have that because largely of what we were talking about before of the idea of a women's professional network, unfortunately, as a brand, as, as an entity, just doesn't have the richness of what we wanted Chief to be. And having the physical space was actually a really big brand statement to just show what we wanted this brand to look like and feel like. And having an opportunity and a 
physical thing to put that brand on was honestly the main reason for us to have the space, not because we thought all of our members need a place to go and work. <laughs> that was not the motivation. It was much more about the brand than it was about the service of the space. And I think it's been really important and impactful as we launched and so glad that we have had that. But now as we see how the community has evolved, especially in this time, it isn't a necessary thing for us to go and build five more clubhouses in New York right. the way it would with a co-working space. I think also, and, and I don't work at Chief, uh, but I think something that it allowed you to do is now we're finding that all these co-working spaces are finally focusing on community. They're like, all right, let's not put all our money into a really beautiful couch and let's instead start developing, you know, a digital platform where we can host webinars and, and connect people. And I think because you guys started with that connectivity element of your community, you like empowered them even more than like a traditional co-working space. And I think, you know, that's, that's the feedback I have, not just from talking to Taryn, but from talking to your members is they really do feel super duper connected. Um, which I think is one of the hardest things to do as any on any platform, not just women co-working, you know, across the board. The majority of our members, they have offices, they have, you know, other places that they need to be that the value of the space is is minimal to almost non-existent. Yeah. It truly is what happens at that clubhouse that is bringing them to the clubhouse. Um, and so I. Uh, it's been really amazing. And I could not be more proud of our team of how quickly they were able to transition all of the actual services that we provide. There was not a week that we were down. Um, you know, the a core part of what we do is what we call our core groups, which is this peer group model. It's like, you know, the place that you can go and truly have an authentic conversation about the crap that's going on. And there's a lot yeah. going on right now. And there wasn't a single week where we weren't having those sessions happen. It just mm -hmm. like really seamlessly from one week to the other went from it's happening in the clubhouse to it's happening on Zoom. And I think because you can see that transition as quickly as we did with even higher engagement and higher happiness in that shows how much the clubhouse is just one of the many mediums we could use to bring mm -hmm. this community together. So for people that are listening right now that are now kind of chomping at the bit, how can they learn more about Chief? So uh, very simply, you can go to chief.com. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, you know, this is how you know a PR person is hosting the podcast because I always <laughs> give the people, I always give everyone a chance to plug anything at the yeah, end. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So yes, if you want to learn more, um, if you want to join, if you want to apply, um, you can just go to chief.com. Uh, you can learn even more about us and what we do and of course, apply. Awesome. Amazing. Well, we, we finish every podcast in true podcast fashion with like a fun little game at the end, which I can't tell if people love or hate. Sometimes we do it and I can tell <laughs> the co-founders are like, what did I sign up for? And then other times I think they get really into it, but it doesn't matter because Melissa and I love it. So we're keeping it. And we call it the ship final five. And we just ask you guys kind of fun, quick questions. You can each answer. It'll, it's, it, I think it's painless. And here we go. What is your go-to pizza topping? That was mine to share, but I, I wanted it. it though. I wanted no. it. No. <laughs> Lindsay, you want to go first? I am an extra cheese because I am a cheesy, cheesy person. This is so like perfect for our relationship and I'm just regular cheese. <laughs> <laughs> 
Carolyn's plain. That's if we, I love if we have it. one tidbit, like one poll quote from the podcast, there it is. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Melissa, um, what's yours, by the way? Pepperoni? Definitely pepperoni, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this sums us up. She's like pepperoni, very specific about the pizza. She likes like heavy. I like thin crust, gluten free, like the yeah. most boring. I, mean, I like the fluffiest of doughs. <laughs> yeah. She's a deep dish. Yeah. <laughs> what is the f- your favorite app on your phone currently? TikTok. <laughs> really? Oh, man, Lindsay has been trying to get me into TikTok, <laughs> and I'm like actually just kind of mortified that my nephews are on it every time I'm on it. Like this is way too adult content. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to have to say uh, it's the honest truth is I am on Slack all day long on an app, uh, both like with chief people, team members, et cetera, that, again. I'm sorry, I'm gonna change my answer to the appropriate answer, which is also (laughs) Slack. (laughs) (laughs) Not TikTok. We're definitely gonna keep TikTok as the answer. Yeah, we're definitely cutting out the part where you came back about Slack. (laughs) I think you should, I think you should, right next to her, like- Keep it real. At 70% capacity, I do TikTok. I love it. She's 70% Slack, 30% TikTok. <laughs> yeah. What is the one clothing item that's become like your biggest must-have in quarantine? I think we would say the same thing, which is a cheap sweatshirt. It is actually, so it's a sweatshirt we've, we, all of our team has, members have. It is the softest sweatshirt I've ever owned in my life. And the number of times that you have members that are like sending us pictures of their husbands stealing their chief sweatshirts that... I actually think there's a bunch of men roaming the streets of New York in chief sweatshirts, and I love it. I love that. Before the pandemic, my husband, who also stole mine, uh, would go out, and occasionally a woman would wave at him, and he'd be like, I I think it's a member. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. He felt like a celebrity. I think it's like even more impactful marketing to have men roaming the streets of New York wearing or any city wearing paraphernalia. Yeah, it's actually like, when you think about the name Chief and you know when we were thinking about names, Chief often is viewed, when you hear the name, it, it's viewed as a very masculine word. And we were telling people that's what we we're going to name the company. And I'm like, ah, it seems a little, seems a little like a guy's business, not a woman's. And we're like, that's exactly why we're choosing yeah, the name. take it back. Yeah, and I think that's like the sweatshirts play into that as well. Like we want this to be something that both men and women are supportive of and would want to be a part of. So that's awesome. Love it. Okay. I guess I'm up. What is your go-to self-care thing right now? Could be I, anything. Marilyn, I think this is also the same thing, which is wine <laughs> and the challenge. Wine and the challenge on MTV. <laughs> that's mine. Yeah, it's probably pretty similar. I do, I don't know. I think that there's a real need right now to just like pamper yourself in the small, smallest ways possible. So the things that used to just be like very routine, I've tried to make into a little bit more of the ritual of going to bed. And even I was telling Lindsay this the other day, and she was like, I could never handle that fragrance. But like, I have this spray that I, like this lavender spray for, for bedding that like, makes me just puts me in a really great mental state trying to go to Mm -hmm. bed at night just a small like lavender spray and it's the like 
cheapest way of bringing like the small luxury into your life. Yeah. I love that. I started doing gua sha on my face in the morning. Like I literally just started because one of our clients sent me the tool and it's been like a really nice, just like I do it all day long. Oh my God. I, it's, it started my day. I just sit there all day long. I loved it. Yeah. My friend was just telling me about this. I, I might need to go and purchase one, but I have not, I have not dove in yet. We'll send it to you. They just sent it to me too. And I, I spend all day just doing it on my face and everyone in this house just looks at me like I'm crazy, but I'm, I'm fine (laughs) because when I have beautiful skin of a 20 year old in 10 years. Okay. Last, last question. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received and feel free to tell us who gave it to you? And it doesn't have to necessarily be about business. That's a good question. I actually think the one that comes to mind right now, I have a recency bias. So like that I always think about like something I've heard most recently because I love learning great advice from fellow entrepreneurs and, and everything. One of our investors has a email for all of their CEOs. And there was a line in a most recent email chain that we had that was that said the worst place to be is on the fence. And I thought that like, it's really true how much right now you just need to be making like bold calls and committing to them and, and pushing the business forward and, and giving that vision to the team and making sure that that you truly are, if you're something for everyone, you're something for nobody. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really important as a founder, as a CEO, to really, truly commit to a vision and uh, pave that path for everyone. Mm. I am going to give a piece of advice that is also relatively recent. Alexa Von Tobel, one of our amazing investors, says it again and again, which is to lean into the pain. This has been a painful experience. attempting to be a co-founder and a mom and a and to juggle everything right now. And so there are moments today that I just want to kind of lean out. And I think about just like getting through the the most painful, most difficult business decisions, things happening in the household. And I think leaning into the pain will get you through it and you will, uh, you will get through it faster. I love that. I love that. Awesome. There's a lot of pain right now. There's a lot of pain, but we're okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you guys are awesome. You have such a beautiful dynamic and I'm not surprised it shows in the work that you're doing. Um, and I, we just, we love badass women that are doing exciting things to empower other women. So it, it really feels great to talk to you guys. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Yeah. And good luck with everything. We wish you nothing but success and growth and especially, and also for your, the members of Chief to be nothing but successful and continue growing and getting into those leadership spots and staying there. So thank you again. That was the partnership. Make sure to visit our website, jenniferbet.com, where you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you'll never miss a show. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the partner underscore ship. Cue that fancy music.